many people, and I've met them, have a perspective of an angry, vengeful God that is waiting around the corner with a divine baseball bat ready to smash them to smithereens if they do anything untoward, inappropriate, or simply wrong. And their relationship with a higher power is not one of love, security, feeling soothed, calmed, and comforted by the presence of a divine being, but rather one of constant fear and trepidation. Just so cautious that if they slip up even one little bit, they'll be held to be reckoned with and they will be judged for everything they do. And an ongoing internal paradigm of a creator that is vengeful and vindictive waiting for me to trip up in order to get me does not encourage any form of love, coexistence and care between the creation and the creator. And I would respectfully like to work today with you on presenting a very different reality to the way that despite the fact that there are consequences to what we do and there can be negative repercussions to actions if there could not be our world would be a world of total and utter irrelevance in order for us to have relevance in our life there has to be a difference to doing right and doing wrong but the nature of the dynamic between me and the Boreolam, me and Hashem, me and the Creator, me and God, is not one in any way of vengeance or wrath, fury and the like. And I read to you from a work which is extremely clearly articulated articulation of the way that the spiritual world works on a deeper level. And I'm choosing to read from, there's a section in a book called Der Hashem, The Way of God, and in the second part, in chapter 8, he describes something which I feel is crucial to know. He starts with a basic premise, that the way everything works if we take, to, take into consideration the nature of the spiritual world, everything operates according to a system of judgment, a system of law, system of very much, not like the laws of a judiciary body, but rather like the laws of nature. The laws of nature are a system where there's causality, Causality means if I do this, then that will happen. If I decide to run extremely fast towards a brick wall and not stop, I will be stopped by the wall. There will be blood. There will be screaming. There will be pain. If I decide to jump off a very high building, same again. If I decide to go sunbathing without suntan cream and I come from England, I will turn 
blood red. When English people sunbathe, it looks like they've died on the sand. <laughs> True story, right? You've seen it. Uh, like everyone else, like all other people go sunbathing, you know, like you're in Mediterranean, uh, South America, and they walk into the sun and they just go from like olive to bronze. And like English people go from like sickly white to sickly red. <laughs> it's, it's, that's like cause and effect. If you go in the sun, that's going to happen. If you, if you drink enormous amounts of alcoholic beverages, it will affect your cognitive functioning and it will very possibly alter your mood as well. If you inhale cannabis, of course, for medical purposes, by wrapping it up in a Rizla, you will feel, depending on your psychological state, different kinds of experiences. Those are cause and effect, cause and effect. So the laws of nature are unbreakable laws of causality that we have extrapolated and articulated through the medium of science. And we describe things as the law of gravity, the laws of forces, (coughs) the good old final velocity, etc., The underlying nature of the spiritual world is much the same. Just like there are laws of nature, there are laws of spiritual nature. And there is causality. If I do this, then this will happen. Meaning, if I say Shema, then... It's not if I say Shema, oh, I say Shema. No, it's rigged up to a spiritual system that if I say Shema, (coughs) boom, something gets locked into place. It impacts something. Every time I learn a single word of Torah, boom, it impacts something. Every time I do something which deviates, the word chet, which is often translated as sin, is a mistranslation. The word chet means deviation. There's an alignment between me and the spiritual world. When I do a chet, I become misaligned. When I become misaligned to the spiritual world, there's a consequence. If I decide to eat something which is not kosher, so then it has a consequence on the structure of myself and my spiritual molecular biology. That's called mishpat, that's called din, that's called judgment. And that's the way the world works. And just as nature is unforgiving, I mean, what happens if a person jumps off a very high mountain and halfway through, he says, I'm so sorry. I really, I don't know, I don't know what came over me. Please, I really, I really go back and I do believe in the law of nature. I do. I believe in the law of nature. Doesn't really help. Doesn't help. If he jumped off the cliff thinking he could fly, he's going to land on the bottom because the law of gravity is not forgiving. And if a person of pale complexion does decide to bathe his putrid body in the sun he will be suffering from sunburn in a very short space of time just, just the way it is just the way it is and what happens if he says but I'm so sorry I don't mean it I don't want to what happens if he goes and says do you know what I don't believe in this whole thing about the sun and stuff I just don't, don't go for it and he sits there in his white body he's going to get sunburned he's going to get sunburned person says I just don't go for this whole this whole like you know 
law of forces and he crosses the road with an oncoming vehicle at a very high speed. That's not go for it. Well, too bad for him. As he gets jettisoned into the air, he has time to reconsider his foolish ploy. Do you get it? It's a whole new world. It means that the Torah is not a rule book. In the classic sense of the world, word, it's a articulation of how an invisible universe works. And it's not telling you what to do, it's just telling you what is. You can choose what to do. That's our choice. You can choose what to do. Just like you can choose to jump off a cliff, you can also choose to eat a McDonald's burger when it's not a kosher McDonald's. You can choose. It's your choice. But, you know, it's going to have consequences to it. And those consequences are inescapable. Not because, and this is a crucial point, and it's not because God is vengeful, vengeful and angry and wrathful. It's just because it is. It just is. No one goes and says, Ah, oh, your friend, and he fell, and, he, and, he, and he, he tripped over a stone, and now he's got this big cut, and I went back to the stone, and I said, How could you do that? Like, what was going on? And then I went back to the ground, and he slipped on, and I said, You grazed him, you stupid ground. No, of course not, because that's the way it works. It's just the way it works. There's no one to talk to, because you did it yourself. You had a choice, and that's all you decided to do, and then my last thought, and my last thought. Crucial. This is Judaism 101, 101, That's why Judaism is not an ism. It's not a religion, it's an articulation of reality at its deepest level. If so, what is Hashem's role in all of this? It looks like He's, just like the, the natural world, apparently functions independently, and that cause of effect is something that is so patterned that we can derive and extrapolate laws from it, and then apply those laws in the terms of scientific advance, and it works. It works because the laws are consistent. There's ki'ilu, it's as if there's no divine intervention which constantly changes the nature and the path of these pre-established rules. The spiritual world is no different. So therefore, when I mess up spiritually, I've got the same level of, of responsibility as when I mess up physically. It's like, it's my fault. You messed up. You know, you know, the, you know what happens if. You know what happens if. The only difference is one is visible, one is invisible, one is one is apparent to the senses and one is hidden from the senses. But in terms of structurally, they're exactly the same. So why would the Boreolam do this to us? But he just wants our own, he loves us more. No, Hashem loves you way more than I love you, which is a lot. Way more than your dad loves you, your mom loves you. Way more than you love yourself. Way, way, way more. If that's true, why would he want me to get hurt when I contravene? The, the answer is, because he, he, as much as he wants you not to get hurt, he also wants you to have a relevant life. He wants you to have meaning. He wants you to be worthwhile of existence. And if you could never do anything wrong, you could, your right deeds would be completely irrelevant. You'd just be a robotic, instinctive machine that would have no volition or agency. And therefore, you actually wouldn't be at all. So in order for us to have meaning and volition and agency and individuality, we need to be able to have the opportunity to mess up. And the more severe the result of our mistakes are, the greater our position of power is. For example, were you to be Uri, the janitor in the White House, and one day you forget to clean the toilets, it's a big problem. You may get fired. And if you get fired, the toilets will probably be not cleaned for a period of a few hours. 
And that may be problematic for some people who are finicky about their cleanliness, but it's not a train smash. However, if the president makes a small error, it can cause international war. It depends where you are in the hierarchy in terms of how grave your mistakes are. And by contrast, how powerful your actions are. So by the same token as you can create a war, you can bring about incredible resolution and peace. You can bring about advance and you can withhold advance, etc., etc., etc. Good? So where are we? So this comes out as follows. The more severe the consequences of our actions are, the more it's descriptive of our greatness. The less severe the consequences are, the smaller we must be. So the biggest compliment you could ever pay a person is, whoa, if you mess up, if you mess up, it is a catastrophe. If you mess up, it's literally a tragedy. It's catastrophic. It is awful. It has ruined the world. Your mistake has destroyed an entire universe. That means that if you don't make a mistake, you've maintained an entire universe. Welcome to the severity of Jewish law. Jewish law is extremely severe. Extremely exacting. Extremely demanding. It is normal social conduct to have people you like and people you dislike. It is normal social conduct when you meet people you dislike to express your discontent with the people around you. It's normal human behavior. According to the Torah, doing that is the reason why the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed and it's more severe than idolatry, adultery, and, Id- and murder. Bruh! I was just tuning the oak that, 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 that the oak's messed up. I wasn't doing anything like, what a big deal. I was just saying the oak's spastic. Do you know what I'm saying? I have to edit that. <laughs> okay? But nevertheless, the base of English was destroyed because of Lashon Hara. Lashon Hara is only when it's true. When you share negative derogatory information about someone else who you may really not like and may be a proper idiot, and you just share that with your friend, that is one of the most severe things you can do. That seems out of proportion. I'm sorry, that seems out of proportion. That's out of proportion. When you speak about the laws of Shabbos, which are intricate and complex, and you're held responsible for all of them. But there's such a wide variety. There's 39 different categories. And within them, there are literally thousands of subcategories. And it becomes overwhelming. What is that saying? Well, it's saying one thing. We have high expectations of you. We believe in you. It's expressing faith in your greatness. Because imagine if I said, yeah, you can probably be a mediocre something or another. Wow, thanks, mate. When I say to you, you are a champion. The words that the Torah uses to describe us is Mamleches Kohenim V'Goy Kadosh, a nation of princes. We are all presidents. It was not only Golda Meir that said it. It was Hashem. Golda Meir, she was speaking to Henry Kissinger. And uh, he said, you know, you've got a small country. It shouldn't be too hard to run. She said, Mr. Kissinger, I'll tell you the difference. You have a country with many constituents and one president. It's easy to deal with. He says, I've got a country where everyone's a president. 
Welcome to Israel. So lesson 101 of Jewish spiritual practice is it's a reality. And therefore if you mess up, it's not Hashem being upset with you. It's a consequence of your actions. And punishment is not vindictive and vengeful. It's consequential. It's unavoidable. If there's a spiritual reality and you have a relevant parts to play, your actions are relevant. If they're relevant, if you do something good, it's amazing. If you do something bad, it's catastrophic. Now, I don't want to think about that, and you don't want to think about that, because we run away from responsibility. I don't know about you. I run away from responsibility. I want to live in la-la land, where I don't have to think that there's a meaning and relevance to things I do. Because if I escape from the fact that my life is relevant, I don't have to worry about messing up. And therefore, I'd rather live in the comfort zone of passivity and smallness than in the charged environment of greatness and agency. And it takes a lot of guts for me to stand up and say, Do you know what? I take on wholeheartedly this mission that I've been given. And I realize the relevance and I'm going to stand up and perform. And I'm not going to run and hide in the inner recesses of myself and pretend to be pathetic because I can't confront the fact that I actually have some relevance and power in the world that I live in. And this formed the basis of one of the most disastrous speeches I've ever given. And I've got a strong sense I'm doing the same thing again. <laughs> this is how it worked. I went to Sydney, Era Kodesh. <laughs> have I told you this before? Oh, this is the best. I went to Sydney and I wanted to give him this message that how great they were. But I think I had a problem with my marketing strategy. So there was a group of, it was a show, which was like a really kind of, quite a broad spectrum of people, and they had a lot of discontent in the community, and they'd come together to like um, reunite, as it were. And there was the entire, entire spectrum of people. There were the Bobbers and the Zaders and the little babies and everyone in between. And they had this beautiful communal dinner. And they asked me to speak. And I was young and naive and stupid. So I thought, this would be a great thing to speak about. Um, let me speak about punishment. <laughs> so I started off in the following way. I said, you know, we all know in Israel they've got these great bumper stickers. Got these great bumper stickers and it says, whoever you are, wherever you are, Hashem loves you. And they were looking at me and there was a nice vibe and they were getting it and they were open and they were receptive. And then I said, you know, I'd like to make another bumper sticker and they're warm and open and receptive. And on my bumper sticker, I'd like to say, whoever you are, wherever you are, and they're loving this, whoever you are, wherever you are, Hashem punishes you. And then, pum! I felt it as almost a thrust of negative energy smashed me in the face. And it was hard to recover from that. I don't think I did. Uh, but it's true, isn't it? Isn't it true? Isn't it true? Meaning... Both, actually, both bumper stickers are absolutely true. Hashem loves you more than anything. And that's why, if you mess up, it's so severe. Because He wants you to be the biggest person in the world. He's got such faith in you that He said, you know what, I'm going to put into your hands life and death. Life and death is in your hands. Imagine that. There could be nothing more, with more gravity than that. We know Hashem's only desire, he, all he wants to do, all he wants to do is give us good. He loves us more than we love ourselves. 
He loves like a father loves his child. Elo, 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 rather, Shemitama Ava Atma. Because of the love itself, Raushi Yasera Avitno, it's appropriate that he gives him consequences to his actions. In order that he should get it right and he should be able to enjoy and have the ultimate life in eternity. As the Pasuk says, like a father chastises his son, that's Hashem Therefore, this strict, consequential system is born from a place of deep love. And Hashem's Punishment is not the punishment of an enemy and to get revenge. But the gentle guidance of a father who wants the best for his son. And recognizing these two paradoxical emotional experiences simultaneously and resolving them to become one, I become fully engaged, super fine in the severity of every one of my actions, of every one of my thoughts, of my words, of my deeds, and at the same time, I'm becoming enveloped in this unending, powerful love. And if I go too far without creating this balance, one side or the other, it will be unhealthy and imbalanced. If I just think about the love and I don't think the consequences to my action, I remain small and undeveloped. If I think about only the consequences of my actions, I remain dislocated and uninvolved in this passionate relationship of deep love that should be a daily part, a part of my daily, constant, it should be a constant part of my life. And that's a profound and deep insight which I think that we can take with us and cherish and develop and grow. And may you all be blessed. Very wonderful lesson.